going to jump in to a sermon today that um, I feel like God has um, been convicting me with all week and just really challenging me. And so this is, uh, this is not only for y'all, but it's for me. And so um, if you are joining us today, um, summertime is a time that we do something called Summer at the Gathering. And that means that we, um, our, our talks or our sermons throughout the summer are just uh, standalone. It's not connected to like a bigger series where we're all going through the same thing. But what we do is we take what God is putting on our hearts and what he's been challenging us with, and we, begin, we just share it with you. And so Pastor John Mark last week um, shared just what he called a journal entry. Um, and today is going to be similar. And that this is something that God's been putting on my heart um, for us and for myself. And um, today I titled my sermon, Hope in a Hopeless World. Hope in a Hopeless World. Hebrews 6, 19, the author of Hebrews writes this He says, we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. 1 Peter 3.15, Peter again is writing to the church and he says to him, he says, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness and respect. Let me pray for us one more time before we jump in and, um, and we'll go, Lord, just thank you that you're here, that you're in this place. Spirit, we ask that you would speak through me now, Lord. Allow us to hear from you. Allow us to hear your words and not my own. God, we ask that you open hearts this morning. We ask that you open ears this morning that we would hear what you have for us. And we forget everything else. Jesus, do what you can and do what only you can do with this time and this space, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And so we're talking about hope. And I love in Hebrews 6 where he says, he's saying, hey, there is a hope out there that is not just a hope that's like, you know, hopeful, wishful, but it's a hope that is an anchor for your soul. My question for us this morning is, is how is your soul? How is your soul? Because we don't have to look far to know that, that our world is, can be pretty hopeless. You know what I mean? Like we, we don't have to look far. We don't, we don't have to go to all the stats. We don't have to go to the newspaper. I was going to have a newspaper, but I couldn't find one. Anyone know where newspapers are these days? Um, but... We don't have to go to the newspaper to see that our world can be so hopeless. And yet there is this verse that is talking and it's saying, but there's a hope available that anchors your soul, that actually gives you, that allows you to be stern and firm and and, and confident that you can actually, your soul can be anchored to. Because we do live in a hopeless, hopeless world world. And I did, I did do, I, I love statistics. They are interesting to me and they, they actually paint a picture for me better with these numbers. But um, they, they pulled um, a number of high school students, so ninth through 12th graders, and they just talked to them about hopelessness and anxiety and, and depression. And, and in 2009, they did this and it was 26% 
of our high school students, that's one out of every four, struggle with this ongoing hopelessness. And fast forward to last year, they did the same study, ninth through 12th graders, and that 26% jumped to 44%. Meaning almost one out of every two high school students are struggling with this reality of hopelessness and anxiety or depression. And, and adults, we're not far off. We're not far off. Our country, they, did, they, they, they asked the question, they, they figured out that our country, adults, that we are more hopeless now in this generation than they were during the World War II. When, they, when most people or a lot of people thought that that was the war that, the war that was going to end the world. And yet today with social media and politics and, and racial just uprising and everything else, today we are still, we, they say that we are actually more hopeless and the most hopeless generation And I wish I could say that the church was different. I wish I could say that when the, the, the people inside the church were different. And unfortunately, and I had, to, I had to look inward myself this past week, these past two weeks, I had to look inward myself and, and ask myself that question. How is your soul? Mikey, how is your soul? Not, not, not how is your behaviors? Not have you convinced everyone that you're a Christian? Not have you convinced what, but how is your soul? How are you really doing? How are you doing in the, in the secrets of your room and that you're sitting alone? Are you, are you, are you wrapped up in this hopeless, hopelessness? Are you wrapped up in this anxiety, this depression? Where, where is it? How is your soul? Because the Bible says there is a hope that can be an anchor to our soul. But we look in the world and we can look in the church and we can see that where we put our hope so often is the reason is we put our hope in our money. You know what I mean? Like we put our hope in our money and we say that if I just, if I could get a little bit more, a couple more zeros on the end of that, on the other side of the decimal, I have a lot of zeros on this side, but not on, anyways, um, it's math. Uh, but a, lot, a few more zeros on, that de- on, the, on the bank account to where I could, then I'd have a little, I'd have more hope and then I could, I could endure the future. Or if I could just get into this relationship or get out of this relationship, then my hope would change. Or if the politics would just swing my way or they would swing away from that way, then that's where my hope would be and I would have hope. And we put our hope in things that can't bear the weight of it. And these things that we put our hope in over and over and over and over, they betray us. Because we all know the stories. We've all heard the stories. Uh, you probably heard Jim Carrey's quote one time where he says, I wish, I wish that everyone could have a, a lot of money so that they would realize that it, it's, not that, it's not that great. Something along those lines. We all know these stories that, 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 that if the, 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 we look at Hollywood, we can see Hollywood, we can see the, the people that have the fame and the stature and, the, and the, the, the money and everything else, and they're still some of the most hopeless so we are aware of this. This isn't, um, again, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think I'm surprising anyone. I think the biggest surprise, ironically, is, is that Hebrews 6 verse 19. That verse that says that there is an actual hope that can and will anchor our souls. I think that sometimes is actually the surprise. 
1 Corinthians 13, 13 says this. It says these three remain. Paul's writing again to the church of Corinth. He's writing and he's saying, hey, these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. And I read this and I read this after I read the Hebrews verse and I was just kind of like thinking and I was like, wait. So there is a hope that can anchor our souls. Great. But then hope, who's ever thought about the fact that hope made it into the big three? You know what I mean? Like faith, hope, and love. Like those are the big things. Those are the ones that, that Paul is writing, that the that, that Holy Spirit um, helped Paul write and wanted to make sure that the people knew that, hey, three things remain. I've been talking to you about love and, and, and love is love bears all, does all. That's the first part of Corinthians. And then it gets down and he says the three remain, faith, hope, and love. And we know faith. Faith is vital, right? It says in the Bible, it says that, that without faith, we can't please God. We know that faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains. We know that, that faith is huge. We know love. We know love is, is that God is love. Like God is, God is love. God is all about it. That, 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 that when asked, Jesus said, or the, the Bible says that, um, that the, the greatest commandment is to love your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as as yourself, as the same. And he's saying, these are the greatest commandment. This is the greatest commandment is to love. And so we've got these two, faith and love, but then there's this hope. There's this hope word that, that finds itself in the middle of it. And, and this morning, I want to I work from this definition of hope. Is hope is the constant expectation that even when we don't see it, God is at work. And so when I'm talking about hope this morning, that's the definition I want to work from, is that hope is the constant expectation that even when we don't see it, God is at work. And so we can talk about hope a lot and we can jump into a lot of things, but first I want to talk about what hope is not. I want to talk about what hope is not. First is hope is not optimism. Again, this is one of those words that we throw around and it made it into the big three. And so I think we need to understand that hope is not optimism. Optimism is good. You know what I mean? Like optimism is a, is a, is a it's, it's optimistic. It's, it's good. It's, it's important. Like we need, to, we need to have an optimistic view on, on the world. And it's, but, but hope is not just us telling ourselves, you know what? Um, everything is good. Everything's going to be good because it's always been good. And I'm just going to have a hopeful or an optimistic kind of view on life. And I'm just going to not, not, you know, it's just kind of optimistic. Like, yeah, yeah, what, what could happen? You know, nothing's ever happened to me in the past. What could happen in the future? And just kind of this optimistic view. And that's, that's not what hope is, but I think so often sometimes we think it is. We think that hope is just being optimistic. But it's not. Hope is not optimistic. We don't want a bunch of people just hoping and wishing on optimism that wouldn't hold up when the storms of life come. The second thing is, is hope is not the denial of reality, right? Everything, everything, you know, people ask you, like, how, how is, how's, how's life? And you're like, I'm, I'm good. I'm hashtag blessed. I'm, I'm good. Everything's great. But you know that life is actually falling apart at home. Or you, 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 instead of actually understanding what reality is, you're like, you know what? I, I've got hope for the future because the government is, is doing great. <laughs> but you're like, well, that's, 
Or I've got hope for the future because of, and, and you deny the reality. Can I tell you the greatest enemy, the greatest enemy of hope is ignorance. That us just being ignorant and just hiding ourselves from the, the, the struggles in our own life, hiding our own um, mind, hiding, hiding or just being ignorant of, of what's really going on is not hope. We got, I got a, a picture a couple days ago from a friend, and um, this friend was telling us the story, and Morgan actually got it, and she was telling us the story about that she kept driving by this, um, this deer, and then this deer was kind of laying on the side of the road, and it wasn't moving, so you can figure out where, what happened to our poor guy, Bambi, but um, he, they just kept driving by, and they kept seeing the deer just chilling and laying there, and, and I think sometimes, as Christians, we think that hope is just denying reality, and so the world, when they look in at us and they see us, they're like, the Christians don't even understand what actually is going on. And, and I, was, I was thinking about it, and then we got this picture, and I was like, this picture kind of shows me just so much about what denying reality actually looks like. And so here's the picture. I don't know if you can see it or not, but this deer was laying on the side of the road. You could take it off. It's kind of... Um, but this deer is laying on the side of the road, and what happened was is that people kept driving by, and then someone decided that they were going to tie a balloon around its leg that says, feel better soon. <laughs> Get well. You know, but the reality is, obviously, and so often we think that hope is just ignoring reality, ignoring what's actually happening and saying, you know what, I can have hope because I'm just going to ignore the pain, I'm going to ignore the struggle, I'm going to ignore the brokenness, and, 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 and the greatest enemy to hope is ignorance. We can't be ignorant to the world around us. We can't be ignorant to what's going on in, in, in the life and in, and in the world because we actually have the hope that the world needs. And so we can't be ignorant to reality. The, the, the third one is wishful thinking. Hope is not wishful thinking. You know, it's like, uh, again, hope is kind of, it's kind of been used and abused like the word love. Like we're like, ah, I love chicken and I love uh, pizza and I love my kids and I love Jesus. And I, you know, we've heard this. It's like love is kind of like all these things. And it's like, well, I hope, I hope the Astros win. They're, they don't need my hope. We're doing pretty good. Um, but I hope that, um, I hope I get this job or I hope I do that. And it's just kind of this wishful thinking of like, I just hope something happens. There's no real reason why, but it's just like a, a wish, you know, it's like a wishful thinking. And, and we think that hope is just like, okay, I've got to be, I've got to be optimistic. I got to kind of deny reality and I've got to just be wishful thinking. And then that's what we, that's where we put the weight of hope. And I think that we've missed the mark on that. I think that we can, uh, so often we miss the mark on what it is because I think there is a hope that does anchor our soul. I'm gonna keep saying that over and over because I hope that when we, I hope that when we leave today, that we can rest in this hope that actually anchors our soul in a place that we can walk into the world and see the brokenness and still be anchored by hope. And so if that's what hope is not, then what is hope? What is hope? And again, that definition I'm working from is hope is the constant expectation that even when we don't see it, God is at work. So three things that hope is. 
The first is hope is powerful. Hope is powerful, 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 powerful. Um, I went to, I saw, uh, do you remember the, the movie The Hunger Games? Uh, it was a great movie. Apparently it was a book at one time. I never read it. Um, I'm kind of one of those per- people that, you know, ignorance is bliss in this sense that if there's a book and a movie, I'm going to the movie and I'm not reading the book to ruin the movie. And so I just went and saw, I know people may not like that, and I know, but I went and saw the, the crawdads sing, and there was like this article that came out. They're like, seven ways that the movie ruined the book. And I'm like, hey, guess what? There's none because I never read the book. So it was a great movie. Anyways, um, but there was this movie, Hunger Games, that came out. And, and if you've ever seen the movie, or maybe you have, maybe you haven't, I don't know. But, but basically, it's like this other world. And like, there's all these like different uh, groups of people that are in like sections of nine different categories or classes. And they're all kind of like, under the rule and authority of the capital. Um, and there's like this president called Snow um, that's kind of a dictator and he kind of just is whatever. And there's this resurgent, there's these, like, there's these people that are trying to fight back against the capital. And one of his quotes I thought was super interesting. He said, he said, President Snow said, hope is the only thing more powerful than fear. A little bit is effective, a lot is dangerous. So hope is powerful. We've heard stories about, um, there's, there's numbers and numbers of stories about um, Jewish people that lived through the, 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 the Holocaust and lived through Nazi Germany and survived on no other basis, but they had hope. And they survived on hope and they, they survived on this hope that was deeper than just a wishful thinking or um, denying the realities, but there was a hope that was deeper. Power, hope is so, so powerful. I love that, um, I love that we, 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 we can read scriptures that actually confirm that in that, that, that Hebrews 6. I'm just going to keep saying it, that, that there is a hope that's powerful enough to anchor your soul. It's powerful enough to anchor your soul, meaning it's powerful enough to keep your soul in line. It's keep, it's, it's keep, keep your soul where it belongs. It's powerful. Hope is powerful. Next is hope is contagious. Contagious. Again, so many of these stories about the, the, the Jewish people that went through just the, uh, the, just the horrors of Nazi Germany and, what, and you read stories about people that had hope and, and they, they, the, their cellmates or their people, they just received the hope that these other people were carrying with them. It's, this, it's like this contagious thing or going back to the Hunger Games, just being reminded that um, Katniss Everdeen is the Mockingjay and she's this symbol of hope to where she doesn't, she's not the one that's actually going out and fighting all the battles, but she's giving hope to people to where they can be, be actually powerful and, and believe. And so it's this contagious thing. Hope is contagious. It's powerful and it's also contagious. And then my favorite is hope is theological. So I want to take a second here. I want to take a little extra time here and talk about this word hope because again, um, Words have meaning and power, and so often um, we can lose that in, in, the, in the translations and different things. And 
I want us to know that hope is a theological word, not a physiology word. Man, that's hard to say. It's not a physiology word where it's like your emotions and, and it's a feeling and it's a, it's a thing. It's, hope is a theological word, meaning the, the, the understanding and study of God is what's going to determine your hope. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's not our emotion. It's not our, our feelings that are going to determine the hope. Hope is deeply, deeply, deeply theological, meaning that only phys- I was reading that and I was off. Hope is deeply theological meaning. And so what determines our hope is our theology, our understanding of God and our understanding of Jesus and the Bible. If we allow hope to be physiological, then our hope changes on every fleeting emotion or feeling. Our hope bounces on any news article that comes. Our hope bounces on all of our beliefs that may or may not change. Our hope bounces if it becomes physiological. But if it's theological, then our hope sits and rests and stands on our understanding of who God is and what the Bible says. And we live in a world today that is hopeless. And when we, the church, begin to live in a way that our hope is, is connected only to our physiological, our, only our physiological part, only our emotional part, only then it becomes so wishy-washy. But instead, if our hope is theological, then, then we get to base our hope on a verse like 1 John 4.4. 4. Then our hope becomes based on 1 John 4, 4 that says, greater is he that is in us than he who is in the world. If our hope is based on theology, then we can base it on, on the facts and the, and the, and the truth and the, and the, the right that, that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. That becomes our hope. And then we can look at our life We can look at our politics and we can say, you know what? Politics may go our way. They may not. But if they go our way, great. My hope is still greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. If politics go the opposite way, that's fine. That's great. But guess what? My hope rests in greater is he who is in me. If my money is there, if my money is not there, greater is he. If my relationships are there, if my relationships are not there, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Our hope has to be theologically based. It cannot be just physiological. Our hope has to be based in the truth that the scripture says, hey, there is a hope that can anchor your soul and there's no other hope other than Jesus Christ that can actually anchor our souls. And so theologically we can say, scripture says that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. So whatever comes at me, doesn't matter because my hope is outside of this world. It's theological. It's theologically based. And I think our world actually is desperate for that. Our world is desperate to find someone. Honestly. Find someone or something or, or something that can, that can provide that longing in their soul. That, 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 that feeling of their soul being just completely lost. Our world's desperate for that. The Bible says that the church, the local church, us, we are the hope of the world. We are the hope of the world, and the hope of the world is our theological belief that greater is he that is in us 
than he who is in the world. And so that's what our hope, our, our, our world is looking for. And so how do we give, how do we give this hope? I'm going to close with this. Next 15 minutes, I'm going to close with this. <laughs> you like that closing, 15-minute closing? Yeah. Um, how do we give hope? The world is desperate for hope today, and the church is the hope of the world. Our world is searching for hope, and they are searching for this hope in any and any, every area possible, and yet so often we, the church, are living in a way that the world doesn't even notice. 1 Peter 3.15, I read it at the beginning, and I want to spend a little bit of time on it. It says this, but in your hearts, Peter's writing to, to us, to the church, he says, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Peter's writing this letter to the church and he, he's making some real big assumptions here. Real, real big assumptions. First one is, is that he's making the assumption that you actually have hope. And again, not the hope that, that's wishy-washy, not the hope that, that, that wishes and hope, or that wishes and, 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 and ignores reality, not the hope that... Um, the other one that I had. <laughs> but it's saying, he's saying to the church, he's saying hope, that you actually have a hope that anchors your soul. That's the first assumption. Is he's saying, I'm assuming you have the hope. Secondly, the assumption is, is that people notice. Do people notice that you have hope? Do people notice? This is, this is what I wrestled with so, so hard this week is that do people notice? I'm a pastor. This is my job. This is, this is what I do is I'm, I teach God's word and I, and I, and I live. But, but do people know that I have a hope that's bigger than, than what they're searching for? In, in money and in relationships and in politics and in, in fame and do they know? Do people know that I have this hope? Do people know? I'm asking you, do people know that you have a hope? Because Peter makes it very clear. He says, give an account. Give an account, give a defense to anyone who asks you, who asks you about the hope that you have found that is in you. He's saying, people are going to ask if you have hope. But so often, I think we, we, we don't. So often, our, our hope is, is found in similar things as the, as the world and the culture around us. So the first thing before we continue is the first thing I just want to ask, it's just right in the middle, is just saying, hey, do you have hope? that 1 John 4.4 4 is real. 1 John 4.4, 4, that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Do you, do you believe that? Can you, can you stake your life on that, 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 that truth that greater is he? Do we have hope this morning? Do you have hope this morning? Hope that's, gonna, that's going to anchor us in the midst of the storms, in the midst of the turmoil, in the midst of the destruction and the hopelessness that is in our world. Do you have it? And does anyone know? Does anyone actually know that you have it? Are you living in a way that actually shows that you have it? Our hope, our hope feeds our faith, which our faith then feeds our love. 
It says that faith is what's hoped for, not yet seen. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for, but not yet seen. So hope feeds our faith. Faith feeds our love. Love is what... So do we have hope this morning? And are we living it out? Are we showing people that hope? And I love that Peter also said, Peter also has that word in there that struck me the first time I read it. He said, give an account for the hope that's in you. And then he says this word, yet, yet, do it with gentleness and respect. Hmm. What would, look, what would the world look like if the church sowed some gentleness and respect? Peter's writing to the church and he says, yet, contrast to what is happening, he says, yet, do it with gentleness and respect, meaning that Peter's like, hey guys, you're not doing it. And I hope and my prayer for us this morning as a church is that we are a church that's saying, you know what? I have a hope that greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world. I have a hope that anchors my soul so much so that I can be, I can be gentle and I can show you respect even if you disagree with me, even if you think I'm crazy, even if you think that everything I believe is off and wrong, guess what? I can still show you gentleness and respect because my hope is not in you and my hope is not in this world, but my hope is actually in greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world. So nothing is gonna come at me that he's not greater than. We show the world gentleness. Gentleness, the word translated is meekness. Meekness translated is strength, restrained. The meekness is not a sign of weakness. It's not a sign of being soft. It's, it's us actually saying, you know what, this is my strength restrained. And I, I hear what you're saying and I hear what, you, maybe we disagree on, on, I don't know, is there anything we can disagree on these days? We can disagree on whatever it may be. But my meekness, my gentleness, my strength restrained says, hey, guess what? I still love you. Hey, guess what? I'm still with you. Hey, guess what? I still care about you. Guess what? I'm going to show you gentleness. This is what, as I was praying about this, this specific gentleness, I felt like God was teaching me something. And he's saying, hey, Mikey, what if your job, your job on earth, what if, what if your job was to make sure that every human being that you came into contact with felt loved by you and loved by Jesus? And that's it. What would your life look like? What would the world look like? What if you showed up with such gentleness to the world that they would actually be like, you know what? I don't know about this guy. I don't know what's going on with him, but I know that when I walked away from him, I felt loved and that there was something different about him? What if Christians, what if our job was to just love people and make sure they know that we love them, we care about them, we are gentle with them, and that, the, and that, that Jesus loves them too? I remember someone told me that when I was probably 20 years old, and I was like, yeah, but truth is love, right? Right? Truth is love, and so I got to show them the truth. I got I to gotta give them the truth. 
Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, there's, there's, there's truth in love, yeah, for sure. But if truth is coming out of gentleness and care and respect, then it's gonna be received that way. Well, what if, what if they don't understand my belief? What if they don't understand my stance? What if they don't understand where I stand on this certain topic or this certain issue? What if they don't understand? What if they, what if they misunderstand me? What, he was tell, what I felt like God was telling me was is that what changes the heart of man? What changes the heart of man? Is it me being politically correct? Is it me being right? Is it me making sure that, that my stance is, is pushed out there and forced out there and shoved down people's throats? Is it, is, it my, is it my moral standard? Is it my moral statue? Or is it just the Holy Spirit? The love of Jesus, the love that, that Christ is saying, hey, your job is not to change people. Your job is not to, to, to correct people. Your job is not to point out people's sin. Your job is to love them and do it with care and gentleness and respect. Church, our world is desperate for a people that are so anchored in their soul because of hope that we're able to restrain our strength, restrain our opinion, restrain our fill in the blank, to be able to say, I, I care about you, I love you. We're different. We, dis we disagree. But I love you. And I'm with you. And then the second thing, the way he says it is, is that it's respect. Gentleness and respect. Obviously, Roe versus Wade has come out. Obviously, our world is turned upside down by all kinds of hurts but if we as the church can have respect for people that are different if we are a church that can be able to say hey when 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 a when a uh something comes down the pipeline and it's and we're we're on that side that is not the time as the church to be like woo finally no 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 we have respect for human beings we have respect for humans, for babies, for women, for men, for every single person under the sun. We say we have respect and that's not the time we, we gloat or do anything else. We say, no, 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 we're still here. We still care. We still love you. We are with you. We are wherever we stand, whether we agree or disagree, it doesn't matter. The enemy has to say the same, that the enemy is the devil. Nothing else. We are not the enemies. We are with each other. We are fighting for each other. some more, but I'm just going to close with this. How's your soul? How's your soul this morning? Not, not, not churchy answer, but genuinely think. Look inward. How's your soul? Are you anchored right now by the fact that Jesus is greater? Are we anchored by something else? Maybe, maybe someone in here this morning, you've never, you've never actually experienced this, this hope-anchoring relationship that Jesus is offering. Can I tell you just, um, I, bank, I bank my entire existence 
not because I'm a pastor. This came later. I, I bank everything I am on the fact that Jesus is who he says he is. That Jesus is, the, in fact, the Messiah that came down and died for my sins and beat death, resurrected, and has conquered the, has conquered the death. And, and now I am able to live free and whole and blameless because of him. And because of that, I put my hope in him. I bank everything I am on that. My, my, my earthly existence and my eternal existence, I bank it all. And so I stand before you today and say, if, you, if that's not you and you haven't gotten to that place or you've never made that decision of saying, you know what? Jesus is who he says he is. He is the Messiah. He is God. He is my savior and I need him in my life today. In just a moment, I'm gonna pray. And the first step in that is the, really the step in that is just saying, here I am, Jesus. Here I am. Save me. And if that's you this morning, I would encourage you to pray with me. Pray with me in that prayer. Or maybe someone in here has been, has been, has been off and that you haven't been anchored and you've been floating all over the place. And you need to come back into a, 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 an anchor hope relationship this morning. I'd encourage you to pray with me and pray for yourself. And God can bring us back and that we can go out and we can be a church that brings hope to this world through gentleness and respect. We pray. Jesus, we ask that, that right now, in this moment, Lord, that if we don't know you, that you would make yourself known to us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would, would change the heart God, I pray that if we've been drifting and we've been moving all over the place, Lord, and, and we just need to be recentered and refocused and reminded that, that you are a God that loves us and that wants us and that is strong enough for everything that we go through. Lord, I pray that you would recenter us this morning. Refocus our hearts on you being our hope and nothing else. You being our, our God and nothing else. Jesus, we love you. We worship you. We are thankful that, that you are who you say you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.